the amount of money you have is normally congruent with the amount of value that you provide to society. And so if you have money, if you have cash or money on a debit card, money in a PayPal account, that um, unless you stole that money or unless it was a gift, you had to serve others in order to get it. So that means that the more you serve, the more money you typically have, especially when you do it at scale. Welcome to The Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. Michael Pittman is the husband of Amanda and father to Elijah and Lily. He pastors a church in downtown Atlanta, which is called the Go Downtown. The church is the second campus location of the Gathering Oasis Church in Atlanta, whose senior pastor is Cornelius Lindsay. He preaches locally and he also travels to speak. He's been in the finance industry for over four years. With his knowledge of finance, he creates online resources for people to learn how to make smart decisions with their money. He has authored two books, Your Bible, Your Money, and Love Your First Year of Marriage. Him and his wife are active premarital counselors certified through SYMBIS. Additionally, he loves to help and inspire people with family, finance, and faith-based content on his Instagram, podcast, and YouTube channel. With no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Pittman. Hey, man. So glad to have you on the show. How's it going? Hey, man. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm super geeked and excited about it. Um, being able to get, talk to the man himself, George Atchapong, man. I tell you what, it's my, my Friday couldn't be off to a better start. Uh, come on, man. Come on, man. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be like you. Um, but no, man. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that, isn't that the, man compliment. <laughs> isn't that the typical black man thing? Right, right. Bro, I'm just trying to get like you, man. <laughs> I'm not trying to get like you. <laughs> That's funny, man. But, uh, you know, so, you know, I know I just read the official bio, but, you know, if you can kind of just share a little bit, you know, in your own words, you know, just a little bit about who you are and, you know, what you're all about. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, um, I think at the, the end of the day, my, my goal is to see people's lives changed and impacted for God and for the kingdom of heaven and to just do my best as an example to exemplify that um, and be an example of that. And so I'm really, really big into, um, for instance, entrepreneurship and money management, uh, less for the numbers side. Um, you know, before before this interview, you and I were talking, and I was just telling you how, you know, we've increased our, you know, revenue in our business by by nearly three x this year. But you know, I don't live in a different house. Um, I drive a Hyundai. You know, like I, like the money for me um, didn't really change the stuff all that much. 
but I do get a chance to to go on a date with my wife now every Tuesday. And I go on a date with my three-year-old now um, on Mondays. And so it's, for me, the, the big thing that I found is that when people are able to be entrepreneurs, make money, live a life of freedom, then the byproduct of that, if their heart's in the right place, could be, you know, a, a stronger family structure, a better marriage, um, giving back to the community, investing more in their children. And at the end of the day, it's going to be those things um, more than even our net worth that people really remember and value. And so I'm on a mission um, to not only do that for myself, but to help other people do it as well. And it's always a privilege, like I said, to be with like-minded people like yourself who are trying to accomplish the same thing. Absolutely, man. And I'm glad you said that because, you know, a lot of times people would look at someone like yourself or someone like me and they would think, oh, well, why are they talking or collaborating? Like they're in direct competition with each other. Um, and then you just got to realize, number one, you know, there's no such thing as competition. When you, when you have a heart to, to truly help people and you realize how many people actually need help, you realize that, man, we need six more Georges and Michaels, right? So that we can really Amen to that. push this message and this agenda forward. And so I, I was just so grateful. And again, I think, you know, we just got connected, you know, on social. I think originally you reached out because you had your online financial school summit that you were having. And, you know, I was able to be a part of that virtually. And then from there, we just kind of stayed connected. But I mean, I love what you're doing. And I, you know, I think people should get plugged in what you have and what I have. You know, it's almost like listening to you look at the music industry, right? Like you say, oh, you can't listen to uh, uh, to Drake if you're listening to Jay Z. You have to only listen, to <laughs> <laughs> right? Make good music, and it's, it's just reinforcement. And you can just, you know, and you know, it's always good to get that from different perspective, you know, from different people, and just reinforce the concept uh, that is, you know, getting your money right. So, um, you know, when I came across you know, your online content, it was very easy for me to see that, you know, there are kind of three pillars for what you stand stand for, and that's family, faith, and, you know, finances. And so as a pastor, you know, you often see, you know, people who are family-oriented, but they're not necessarily pushing a, an agenda or a message on financial clarity or financial peace or prosperity per se, right, in the, in the way that you do. Yeah. So, you know, what made you decide to infuse your previous finance background into your overall mission? You know, I think I just saw a huge need and not enough people in it filling the need. You know, you, you, you said it just now really well that we need six more Georges and six more Michaels. And so when it came to the financial element, um, I saw people like, Dave Ramsey, but he was really the, the main one. Um, and whenever I was kind of thinking about, okay, well, who's the voice for, for our, not only our generation, but who's the voice for people that look like us, um, it was just really hard to find, you know? I mean, it's really easy to find people online who will say, you know, make this bread and they're posting pictures with Lamborghinis and half-naked women and, and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm married. I don't even want to get in any type of trouble trying to get myself better, <laughs> you know? Um, so I'm just trying to figure out the best way to, to really do this in a way biblically. Um, and the reason why it, it's, it, it was important for me to see not only finances and business like taught biblically is because 
one of the tenets of success is for you to find someone who has already been successful and then follow that model, right? Like that's what you hear from many people. Don't reinvent the wheel, just, you know, steal and modify the hubcap, right? But, um, and so that said, when I think about the person who I feel is the most successful person in human history, it has to be Jesus. Like, and that's not even on some Christian stuff. You can be an atheist, agnostic, have your own thoughts about the resurrection, but there is no other person in human history who after 2000 years has billions of people following them, their teachings, and has had more art, more poetry, more songs written about them ever than Jesus, you know? And that's not Western culture philosophy. That's just the truth, you know? And so even if somebody was (laughs) an atheist or an agnostic, they could actually look at the lives of Jesus and, absent of the resurrection, see how he built his team, see how he interacted with his ideal client, see how he, you know, had a polarizing message, see how he created a movement, follow that and be successful. (laughs) And so um, I just wanted to follow the model that I knew worked. And I didn't see that model really anywhere um, to learn from. And so I just decided to become a solution to the problem that I wanted to solve. And um, as a result, um, people have been raving about it, flocking to it. And, and it's been really helpful because since being in the space, I've made uh, more connections with people, you know, like you and, and others too, who are trying to move this message forward. But there just are not enough people out there who have that um, bent towards like being faithful with what God's given us, but also being financially savvy. And, and there's just a lot of bad theology and like mentality behind everything to where there are some people out here who would be much better off, but they feel like as a Christian, you have to be broke. And so there's just so much gunk out there that I said, you know what, let me get my broom and dust plant pan and do what I can to clean it up. Absolutely. I love that analogy. I love that. You know, that's, that's so important. And I, I love what you're doing. So and that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on the show. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, many people think that being a Christian means you have to be on the struggle bus financially, right? It's like if you're, if you're making money, then you're probably not a good Christian. Um, what are some of your favorite biblical principles about money that dispel the myth, uh, you know, of some of the biggest, conceptions in general about being a Christian and building wealth. I'm pretty sure you probably talk about this in your book. So um, shameless plug, guys, grab his book. I'm pretty sure he, you know, he this. But you know, definitely, if you don't mind unpacking a little bit of that for us on the show just so that people can, you know, get your perspective on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is Proverbs 14.23, which says, all hard work brings the profit but mere talk only leads to poverty. And what I've found is that when it comes to making money, money is just, the amount of money you have is normally congruent with the amount of value that you provide to society. And so if you have money, if you have cash or money on a debit card, money in a PayPal account, that um, unless you stole that money or unless it was a gift, 
you had to serve others in order to get it. So that means that the more you serve, the more money you typically have, especially when you do it at scale. And so it's for, for I, I found that people will basically cast judgment on you based upon who they are, not on who you are. I was actually preaching a sermon on Sunday, and I told the congregation that as a pastor, if I went on Instagram and posted that I had just bought a $75,000 Chevy Suburban, people would say, oh, that's a great family car. Oh, that's um, nice color. Congratulations. Uh, they, would, they would be congratulating me. But if I said I used $75,000 to buy a BMW or a Tesla, they would say, oh, Jesus rode a donkey. And so instead of congratulating me, they would condemn me. And it's the same amount of money, but a different level of judgment. So that's the point is that for some people, you'll never be, you know, poor enough. <laughs> um, and that ultimately, I have found that when you're doing what God has told you to do, um, he's going to resource you with the capital that you, you need in order to accomplish his will for your life. And so I have found that broke and being poor and being on the struggle bus is just really, really, really bad theology. I, and then I, I even tell people all the time, they'll say like, what about the rich man? Like uh, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into heaven. And I just tell people, well, you have to, if we actually believe that the Bible is global and not westernized, then we have to take rich within the context of the global sphere, not just our Western civilization. Given that, if someone makes $24,000 a year, they're in the top 2% of everybody in the world when it comes to wealth and income. And so, boom, congratulations, you're rich too. Does that make it difficult for you if you're making $24,000 a year working at Burger King to get into heaven? Like, that, like you, have to, you have to see things in the full context um, to, really, to really understand that God does not desire for us to be broke just because it makes us more holy. Poverty is not piety, you know? And so I, that's, that, those are my thoughts on that. I could go on for days um, just debunking bad theology, but you know, we still have a lot of podcasts left to go. <laughs> hey man, hey, you know, the good thing about it is my, is my podcast and I own it. You can talk as much as you want to talk. And... <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll put any restrictions on you. There you go. There you go. Yeah, man. I would just say at the end of the day that if Christians, and I can just finish with this thought, if Christians owned 90% of the world's wealth, I believe that it would be better off, not worse off. Therefore, we should be hustling to get it. Mm, that's, that's a gem. <laughs> there you go. That is a gem. No, I love that, man. Thank, thank you for, for sharing that perspective. It's, it's truly refreshing because, you know, there's a lot of mixed messaging out there uh, around that topic. All right, so here's another maybe controversial uh, viewpoint. So, you know, and I grew up, in the black church, um, you know, whatever you know, the black church, whatever that means. I grew up in the black church. Sure. I'm, you know, I love um, my my roots in Christianity, but the the black church and really the the church in general gets a lot of flack for not providing opportunities 
or insight for their members to get their money right. Or more specifically, you know, you know, people will say stuff like, oh, well, you get people to pay tithes, but you know, that you're not doing anything to directly impact the community or the members. So my question to you is, you know, what are your thoughts on that kind of viewpoint from people, the outside looking in? And then like, is that some of the reason why you created like the online financial school, right? To really provide people with the real tangible resources, not just theories on how they can improve their money. Yeah, that's a, you know, what's really interesting is I have actually, as of recently, had to apologize to my church for being, for doing that same thing that you mentioned. And the motivation was actually, so I grew up in a black church and I grew up in a church to where, I mean, there were times where we did like two, three offerings and a service and they would count the money up front. And it was just, I knew that if I ever got into ministry or became a pastor, that I was not going to be that way. Like I tell my congregation every week, you know, giving is not an obligation, but an opportunity. You know, I never tell you what to give or ask you to give anything. I just ask you to ask God and to be obedient to that. And so what, what I was, but it was interesting because after a couple of years, I realized that here I am throughout the entire week, writing books, writing emails, posting on Instagram, building an online financial school. And I had never done a financial series at church. And I think the reason was because I always wanted my congregation to know, listen, it's not about the money. Like, I don't, I don't even get paid from the church that I pastor. You know what I mean? Like, it's an it's a, it's a act of love, you know, and, and something that I enjoy. Um, but what I realized was that out of my fear of being a pastor that talks about money, I was, <clears throat> in a sense, handicapping those who are closest to me. And so we, we actually just started a financial series um, a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and, it's, it, and, and it's been going really well. But for some people, the motivation is, is first off fear. You know, like that's what it was for me. You know, if I'm just being transparent, I don't want to be seen as the money pastor guy. You know, you ain't going to see me asking for an offering for no, for, for no, you know, jet airplanes or house or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so like that. And so instead of it, instead of kind of walking the line, I just avoid the line altogether, you know, but um, for other people, I think that there is not a, people don't know necessarily who to go to because for instance, a lot of pastors, they may not even have financial people themselves that they trust to come in to a church and teach about money and finance. You know, you can find any person who works at a brokerage that can talk about money, finance, budgeting, or whatever. That's not hard to find, but do they really have the heart of God? Is this somebody to where if your members decided to work with them, you know, past Sunday that would, you know, do right by them? You know, so I think that it goes back to what I actually mentioned earlier is that um, if people, if there were, if there were 10, 15, 20,000 more Georges and Michaels out there with integrity, with knowledge and understanding, and who actually knew what they were talking about, that um, I believe that the church and, and the Black church specifically um, would be better off. Because, I mean, let's just be honest, too, George. Like, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's one thing to be in a black church and to bring somebody in who's black talking about money and finance and someone who's coming in who's white talking about money and finance if we just being real calling it spade to spade you know what i mean so that then you have people who um are maybe black and they're in money and finance but in reality they they're not they're not investing savvy they just know how to sling you know life insurance you know what i mean and so that it's it's bigger focus on that than really the holistic financial perspective on you know credit first time home buying different things like that and so i think that there the the big idea is that there aren't enough yous out there um or me's out there in order to reach the church like we should reach it um and i think that as a result uh people are suffering that's that's my honest perspective um, so yeah. i that your marriage is a big part of your life i mean as it should be for everybody but you know, <laughs> you know for being honest like some people's marriage kind of gets put in the back burner uh, so i know that yours you know it seems to be very much a prevalent and a focal point for what matters to you and also yeah. historically um you know and i don't know the exact stats right off the top of my head but you know there's a few reasons that cause marriages not to work right and that's finances fidelity and then maybe even you know Right. So my question is, knowing that finance is that your marriage is important to you, and that finances are a core part of what is going to make for a healthy marriage, at least statistically. Um, what is your approach to money with your wife? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, um, when it comes to money and family, I think that the the big thing is just transparency and basically having a vision for the money and what you're doing and why you're doing it you know um in in reality amanda i don't even think that amanda has our banking app on her phone um and if if she does i know that she hasn't opened it um in probably uh, in years you know what i mean like she she doesn't look at the money and finances she says like okay well that's that's you you got that <laughs> but that doesn't mean that she wants to be oblivious or out of the loop to financial decisions that we're making or things that i'm considering um for the vision of our family and so um we focus a lot on investing money more than spending money that's really the biggest thing and it's not um just investing in the stock market but for instance if we have i'll just say an extra $500 a month or something let's just use the the number 500 um if we have an extra $500 um in a month then instead of buying the new gadget we may think to ourselves okay can we bring in our house cleaner one you know a, a couple of extra times or can we have our nanny stay you know this many extra hours or can we um outsource some meal prep so that that way we don't have to cook it during the day taking up our time you know so um even if we had extra money can we go on a nicer date just to invest 
in our love with one another. You know, so th- that's the big thing is that um, the, our, the, an investment in my marriage is actually going to yield the greatest return, a better return than Facebook ads, a better return than in the stock market. Like an investment in the marriage is actually what makes everything else run. Um, because when everything else doesn't run well or stops running or things don't go as planned, you want to make sure that you have a person who you know is in your corner, who will encourage you when you maybe don't want to even continue. You'll want a person in your corner to say, you know, you got this, as opposed to somebody who says, well, good, now you got more time for me. So that's the focus for us and our marriage is investing that time that effort and that energy um, into what will ultimately last. Man, that's, I love that perspective on investing. Um, it, it just being broader than just your, your traditional perspective. Even me, like, you know, I'm your, your, your tried and true finance guy. And I always tell people it's, you know, the stock market is, 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 is great, right? It's a great way to make, to build passive wealth or active, if that's your thing. Um, but, there's so many other ways that you can invest, right? Yeah. You make a difference in your life. So thank you for sharing that perspective. That's huge. That's huge. What's up, guys? George Paul here, founder of the Melanin Million Movement. Did you guys know that the Melanin Million Movement is on a mission to help 100,000 people of color invest their first or next $1,000 in the stock market, effectively creating $100 million of new wealth among people of color. If you haven't heard about it, head over to melaninmoney.com. Check out the Get Started page. There's also some great apparel on the site to help you spread the word without having to say a thing. Um, and now I'm going to go on a quick, I won't say a tangent, I'm going to piggyback off of something that you said uh, before I go into my next, my next question. And sure the term extra money right so i'm interested in from your perspective like when you're we're all on this proverbial path to financial independence whatever that means for all of us right um how do you quantify what's extra money right because someone might say if you have extra money and you haven't reached your ultimate goal yet right then maybe that extra money should be allocated towards those things and i and i, and I, I really like how you articulated how you view investing more broadly but I'm just curious, like, is there like a, is there like a certain way that you consider something extra money? Is it after all your bills and savings objectives are met? Like, what do you consider extra money? Yeah, I would say, um, simply put, anything above um, fixed and variable expenses. And so I have um, my, like, my bookkeeper sends me a text every Sunday of my expenses that are coming out during that week you know and so over the course of four or five weeks you know you have that number and then anything above and beyond that um then that that's what i would consider extra uh and and you know it's of course per person it's variable um depending on you know like what you do for work and what your expenses are and this that or the other um and 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 so I, I would just say, yeah, that's how I define extra expenses is, you know, after I give, after I pay expenses, um, business and personal, that extra amount that we have there, um, 
is is what we is what we classify as extra expense or extra uh, income. Got you, got you. Matt, well, I, 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 I was I was paused at the point you said your bookkeeper text you uh, weekly, letting you know what expenses are coming out. That's that's a great that's a great value add service. I might need to get her contact and see. You know, I just want to text me what I got to spend for the next uh, next. <laughs> Hey, let me tell you something. It's it's helpful. You know what I mean? Especially for somebody like me who I don't have all my stuff coming out of one place. You know, I got some stuff that come out of personal. I got some stuff that come out of business, you know, all that. And so it's just really, really helpful, you know, to have a spread, you know, they have a spreadsheet and they say, you know, this is what you have coming out on Tuesday for this amount, Wednesday for this amount, Thursday for this amount, boom, 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 boom. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Well, I'm looking at how much money I got in the account. I'm looking at how much money these expenses are and we are good to go for the week that, you know what I mean? And now it's just a matter of making sure that I don't, you know, I remain wise in any expenses that in occur beyond that. That's the big idea for yeah, sure. That, that makes sense. Cause like once your, your, your basic needs are met, then you can have the perspective of, okay, cool. This amount is what I can be prudent about and determine how we're allocated for the betterment of the quality of our life, whether it's right now or long-term. That makes sense. I yeah, guess. and honestly, too, like, it's really helpful for an accountability standpoint because, I mean, I remember there was a point in time to where our business was growing and scaling, and I was looking at our expenses on a weekly basis, and I was thinking to myself, where in the world is all the money going? Because my expenses are not very high, but we're making more money. And, you know, before you know it, you know, you're looking, and it's just, you know, Papa Do's here, you know, a, a trip to, to, you know, for Amanda, Sephora there, you know, ah, we've been needing some new pillows. Like, I mean, you just, you just find ways to spend money. <laughs> and so it's, um, and so that's, that, that, that's very helpful um, to, to have that somewhat systematic accountability in place so that that way um, you can have a good feel and vibe over time of, how much you actually need and then um, how much you're spending on extracurriculars for lack of better words. Sure. Because yeah, again, I, it's, it's my mantra and if anybody knows me, they've heard me say it already. And they'll probably hear me say it a thousand more times uh, before the year's out. And that's, you cannot improve what you don't measure, right? Like you just can't, it's impossible. You have to have a way to know what's happening and where you actually are in order to make any real progress. Amen to that. Amen to that. You know, so now let's have let's have some fun. Right? I like I, I like how you have let's fun. Let's do it. How you have fun with your content and you know I think that one picture I, I, I got a real good laugh out of was are you playing catch up uh, with your with your fight? <laughs> I was like I because as a content creator myself, I'm like, did he get that in one day? Like I was wondering like <laughs> but nah that was funny. Um but so let's share with us, if you don't mind, um, what has been one of your biggest money mistakes or lessons learned uh, so far in life? Like one of the things you're like, man, I, I, I wish I would have known this or I can't believe I made that mistake. What's something that you, you learned over the years uh, that you wouldn't mind sharing with us about maybe a money mistake? So, so just ask that question one more time. I just want to make sure that I answer it in the best, in the best way. Sure. So what has, simply put, what has been one of your biggest money mistakes or lessons learned that you've had around, around money? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, that's what I thought you asked. And, and part of me at, wanted you to ask the question again so that I could try to find one. <laughs> um, Cause I mean, the mistakes have been many. Um, you know, one of the mistakes that I've made, um, and you and I were kind of talking about this before the podcast, is that I assume that just because I had the information, um, just because I knew about money, um, meant that I would meant that I would do do as well for myself as I did for my clients and the people who I mentored and coached, but. You know, before the podcast um, recording, George was already dropping gems. And he said, every pastor needs a pastor. You know, every surgeon needs a surgeon. And just because you can do things for other people doesn't mean that you can do it as well for yourself because there are going to be inevitably some blind spots and things that you miss, even some biases you may have looking at things yourself. And so that's why instead of me going to my spreadsheets and looking at my expenses. My accountant is, uh, my bookkeeper is looking at the same expense sheet in my Google Drive that, that I can look at. But having somebody else do that um, is, is just really helpful in making sure that it gets done. Um, just because I can cut my own grass with my own lawnmower doesn't mean that I should. Um, and I think that that was a mistake that I made in the beginning. I would have had better financial accountability on the front end. And just to be completely transparent, you know, it's easier to have financial, like, and I'm just, you know, keeping it real with you on the podcast. Like, okay, now that our business is over six figures, like it's, I'm a little bit more comfortable talking through money and finances with a partner for accountability than I was last year when we were broke when we were broke and, you know, like living, I wouldn't even call it check to check because there were some months where the check wasn't even enough to get us to the next check. You know what I mean? Like, so there was some pride that was there as well that helped me back. Um, and I could, should have been more humble to know that even though I was helping people with finances, I still had not, and I still don't feel like this right now that I've arrived, but I had, I had not arrived um, and that I needed people alongside with me, you know? So, I mean, there's a reason that a lot of people who are successful in the gym have workout partners. There are reasons that if you need, you know, spiritual breakthrough um, in an area that you have, you know, some accountability partners, like that, that that's, just, that's just how the world um, works, whether you're a Christian or not. And so I think I would have had better accountability on the front end and it would have prevented me from making tons of mistakes <laughs> um, that could have been easily prevented on the back end. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's a great perspective. Yeah, we did. We, we joked about it. We actually had a podcast before the podcast. Um, so Yeah, it was really good. Actually. It was really good. That's, that's, but that's what it's like when you get around like-minded people who are willing to be you know, transparent and, and share the good, the bad, and everything in between. You know, you can really, you can really grow from that. So I just appreciate um, that dialogue and, and just you as a person in general. Um, and and I, I think what I've learned, just to piggyback off of your point, is that you know you can only get you so far. You know what I mean? That's so true. People look at me as this. You know, we'll step outside the finance realm for a second. 
but even in fitness, as you know, I'm pretty active and I try to take care of myself. And so I've never considered myself a trainer or offered any kind of like training. I think maybe like probably seven years ago when I was just getting entrepreneurship, I was trying to get money any way possible. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll train you for a couple hundred bucks, you know. Um, but outside of that, I never like considered myself a trainer or anything like that. I just did a bunch of trial and error for myself. Um, but I, I say that to say, you know, in recent years, as I get a little bit older and I get more focused on, you know, my business and then my family, um, you know, there's, I realize that there's things that I don't know in that space. In order for me to kind of push myself to the next level, I need somebody to who can come in objectively and say, hey, you need to do it this way. But I share your same sentiments about prize, right? Well, people come to me about fitness tips and stuff. Like, how, like what do I look like going to somebody else for, for to take me to the next level? You know, this is kind of this sense of pride. But then I realize, what do I want, right? I want the result, yeah. right? And so instead of me getting in my own way, let me get that, like for someone who focuses on that and more importantly, someone who can help me be objective, why wouldn't I seek that out, right? But it, there is a sense of pride there, and I, it does happen to me, um, that just comes from, you know, um, realizing that you got to seek out help from someone else, you know? So, yeah, that's just, so good. Yeah, that's so good. I, I heard a quote one time, George. Um, I think it was Stephen Covey that said, your life is perfectly designed for you to get the results you're getting. And so if you're not getting the results that you want, um, then you have to make then you have to make a change. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of, one of my favorite quotes now, because I, I, I seem to come up like I'm a big quote guy. Um, but and I, and I'm at a point in my life now where I've accumulated enough knowledge where I can recall her. I always look at public speakers. I'm like, man, how can they just take on cue, just recall all of these quotes? It's just time. And so over time, you know, you read a lot, you get connected to good people like Michael who drops some gems on you, and you just accumulate knowledge and then you can kind of call on it. But one of the more simple quotes um, that, I, that I like now, that's kind of been a theme for the year, is um, it's around results. Yeah. The way it goes, it says, you can't, very simple, you can't argue with results. Right? Like you just, there's a lot of things you can argue with, but you can't argue with results. You can't. It's literally one of the few things you can't get pushed back on. Right? You might be able to say, yeah. do it that way, or I would approach it differently, or I don't like, but if we're just purely talking about outcome, you can't argue with that. And so, so, and so for me, I'm, I look at people who have achieved greatness in certain areas, and I look at the areas where I have achieved some level of greatness or where I aspire to, and I just, and I base it all, all off results, right? If I want that result, I'm going to align my actions with that and be objective about it versus wanting to do it my way, you know, because I'm in my feelings or I'm emotional or. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a, that, that, that's a great perspective, you know? Um, and, and that's, and it's actually very freeing too. Because for me, I like objectivity. I don't need you to tell me like things are going better than they are if they're not, you know? And what, what results do, what numbers do, what data does is it gives you a, an objective standard by which to measure progress. And as a wise man once said, you can't approve, improve what you do not measure. <laughs> <laughs> My man. Um, so we talked a little bit about kind of like your money one of your money mistakes or just something that you learned along the way. Um, and I hope this, this question doesn't appear redundant, but what's maybe a one thing or something that 
you've learned about money so far that if people knew it, they'd be a lot better off. I, I don't want to necessarily say a secret, but just something like, man, if people could just grasp this, man, they would be in a, a better spot financially. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, I remember when I was, one of the paradigm shifts for me was, this is a really good question, George, and I don't know if I've really given this answer on a podcast or interview before. And so this is going to be kind of something new. Hopefully I articulate it in a way that's, um, that, that makes sense. So I remember whenever I was working at the bank and I was making about $60,000 a year, a little over 60. And I, um, after taxes and stuff, came home with a check every two weeks for $1,680. And I thought to myself, well, okay, um, that's $1,680 for two weeks um, and $1,680 um, over 14 days is $120 a day. Now, if I worked for, let's just say, 10 hours that day, then over the course of that, the, 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 those hours, I, I worked for $12 an hour. And I had to look at myself and ask myself, Michael, if you had 10 hours a day to execute in your passion zone and in your purpose zone, doing stuff that you actually want to do and feel gifted and talented to do, do you think you could make $12 an hour? And I was like, most definitely, I believe in myself enough to make more than $12 an hour doing what I love and feel passionate about. And so I think that one of the things I didn't realize was how much I underestimated myself in my ability to make money and income, given that I had the appropriate amount of time to, of course, ramp up and, and, and build. And so... I would say that when it comes to money and finances, that it's all numerical. Don't, don't say like, oh, I'm going to make $100,000 this year without saying, well, how can, I, how can I maybe just for this week generate this amount of money you know, per hour or per day or whatever? Um, because it's those building blocks that help you get from uh, entrepreneur or, or get from employee um, to entrepreneur. So I would say that was a really key money piece that I've learned that was really important for my entrepreneurship journey. I know a lot of your audiences um, are entrepreneurs. I'm trying to think if there was any other money piece. Um, the the other side is that you can't out-earn discipline. And so I used to think that if you just made a whole bunch of money, <laughs> that you didn't even need discipline anymore um, because your money would be sufficient. And I know that that sounds ridiculous because we know people who have made a bunch of money in the league or as professional actors or music stars and they've gone bankrupt 
um, and they're making way more money than I was making. But I just thought to myself, yeah, yeah, well, they probably have an extravagant lifestyle. And so, you know, it would be different for me. But then I just realized that wasn't the case. There's a reason why a billion dollar company like Coca-Cola has a budget. It's because it, like you, you, you can't out earn your discipline because there are an endless amount of things to spend and be undisciplined about when it comes to your money. And so those would be my two things is that um, you can't out earn discipline and that you're probably, um, if you're an employee and you feel like you're not getting paid what you're worth, um, you're probably underestimating the gifts and talents that God has inside of you to a huge degree and that you um, could probably have a lifestyle closer to what you want if you just had the right mentorship, guidance, and direction. Man, that was that was rich. That was that was extremely, extremely good. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, so as we get kind of closing out here, um, tell us a little bit about. I know we we mentioned it uh, loosely throughout the podcast, but tell us a little bit about the the online financial school. Um, I know I was you know able to like I said record for the, the summit that you had. Uh, which I, I was very grateful to be a part of. Uh, just tell us a little bit about the online financial school, what people can kind of expect from that if they decide they wanted to explore it further um, and just, you know, what it's, what it's about. Yeah, um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. So I was looking for a platform that could teach me and walk me through step-by-step step how to get my money together in a way that is not only biblical, but practical. This is not one of those things to where, you know, you are so spiritually minded that you are no earthly good. Like that's not, that's not what this is. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to even listen to somebody like a Dave Ramsey who says, you know, you should invest in mutual funds. And you're like, okay, that sounds great. But then, you know, you're like, okay, where do I start? You know? Um, as opposed to like inside of the online financial school, I say, okay, I am logging into my Charles Schwab account. This is how much I'm going to invest. I'm going to type in these letters, you know, <laughs> and this is the fund. Here are the companies inside of it. And so I'm going to put this money in. You click this green button, review and submit. And then you click the green button again. Boom. Like that's how you do it. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's really helpful. Um, for people who say, you know what, I want to um, make my help my, I want from an investing side, I want to have my money work for me. Inside of that, it's also um, the online business accelerator, which was previously a separate product, but we combined them. And inside of the online business accelerator, Amanda and I both teach you about, you know, how to really run and operate your business. We teach you how to build an audience on social media. We reach over 50,000 people a month. You know, we teach you how to um, not only build an audience on social media, but how to find the right customers and the difference between a customer and a client and how you market differently to one or the other and how to make sure that you have a pricing structure that, you know, you're getting paid what you're worth and, you know, that like, so there's how to run a business. There is how to invest. There's how to fix your credit. You know, we have templates in there that um, actually, if you, if you just 
take out if you fill in your name and information and the blue parts and you keep the black parts the same, you just print it out and ship it off and fix your credit. So there are, it's really an all in one resource to help people get from where they are financially to where they want to be. And one cool thing that's cool about it is that I do office hours for it live every Monday. And so this is not a platform that, you know, you just get it and then you're like, ah, oh, shucks, you know, like, I feel, feel, feel by myself. Um, I've actually had people who have gotten to online financial school and then after three weeks, they haven't done anything with it, but then they get my email for weekly office hours. They get on office hours, they get inspired, and then they get jumped back into it. And so, you know, if you were to buy something like that, you know, like an online financial school or something similar, and you had no support or accountability, then, you know, after you hadn't been in it for three weeks, you know, that was, that's just money that, that, that was a lesson learned. But, you know, my goal is really to help people win. And so the online financial school um, gives me the platform to do that. So you can go to the onlinefinancialschool.com slash explore in order to learn more about that. Or um, you can actually just um, DM me on Instagram, Michael, at Michael J. Pittman, with the word George. And I will ensure george that your podcast listeners um get a really really special opportunity and so uh, i like i said i appreciate you for giving me the opportunity um to to build and um and whenever you guys get in there you'll actually get access to that online financial some of the george spoke at. and so if you think he drops gems on the podcast just wait just wait um <laughs> just just wait until you hear what he has to say about um, investing. It's, it's, it'll be worth your while for that alone. Well, man, I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to even be a part of it and just of what you're building. And I, I think we can be a great example to show people that, you know, see somebody who's doing anything even remotely close or in alignment with what you have. The reality is you can actually impact more people if you lock arms. And so we've, oh, for sure. we've been able to you know, lock arms on, on, on a small scale initially, um, but I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, continuing in that relationship and exploring and see how can we impact more people together. And when you lead with that, I think you, you, you can't lose. Right? I, think so, I think the reason why people don't lock arms and collaborate is really, if I'm being honest, a scarcity mindset. They're thinking, For well, sure. I'm making 100000 myself, and then if I lock arms, <laughs> I'm only going to get a portion of that. No, silly. If you lock arms, you can take that to a million or five, you know, and, and more That's than exactly right. that you could have did it by yourself. Um, and as long as you don't have ego about, well, who is going to be the, the front man or like none of that matters. What matters is how can we impact more people collectively, yeah. you know? And so yeah. I'm just kind of going through my head right now. We'll obviously talk offline and, and continue to stay connected, but how can we continue to further the mission of, what you started, what I have, and just be able to help more people collectively. So, I'm just so most concerned. definitely, so, most definitely. I mean, the 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 the, the I, I heard it on Shark Tank once. Mark Cuban said, 30 percent of a watermelon is better than a hundred percent of a grape." You know, so I'm all about building, scaling, um, scaling together. You know, I mean, the I mean, you already know. I, I'll be in Charlotte um, at the uh, in about a month and. And we're going to be catching brunch with our wives and stuff like that. So, I mean, that, that, that's the goal. I mean, if, we are, if we're in this for the long game, if we're going to be, you know, doing this for the next 10, 15, 20 years, even beyond, you know, at the end of the day, if we're doing the right thing by people, 
that what you you gonna you gonna have a bunch of money. You know what I mean? And then and I'm gonna have a bunch of money. But right. then it's just like okay, well after after all the money, like are we really impacting people and making the difference that we could? And so those are the seeds that I'm focusing on now, you know, believing that if you have the right partnerships and the right people and the right connections and resources, then even after you've accomplished your dreams, you're in a position, Michael, to now help other people accomplish their dreams too at as large of a scale as possible. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think we, we, we pretty much covered it, man. You've, you've enlightened us on how you, you know, to be a, a Christian and still, you know, be about that legacy life and, and build your wealth so that you can actually help your family and have more impact. Um, and just, you know, how to overall um, live a life of purpose and, and meaning. So we really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, we appreciate everything that you do for the community at large and pushing this agenda of, of financial literacy for and family. It's not your only mission. I mean, you, we, we love what you, do, you know, what you share about your family, your children. So we're, just, we're just very grateful for who you are, what you do. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing some of that with us today. It's my pleasure, George. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, until next time, guys. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of The Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, Money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours? What's up, guys? It's George Atchampong, your host. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you so much for listening to the show. I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for anybody who takes any amount of time out of their day to listen. If you find this show valuable, practical, or helpful in any way, do me a huge favor because it helps us out tremendously to try to reach more listeners. All I want you to do is please leave a review on iTunes and also share this podcast with three friends that you think might find value in the show. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode.